Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. By now, you've probably heard that a NASA crew arrived at the International Space Station a few weeks ago for the very first time in a commercial spacecraft. But what you might not know is that scientists at the University of Akron helped make it happen. We'll tell you how. Also, why the skies are decidedly less friendly these days for the aviation industry. All this and more coming up. A big coup for tech entrepreneur Elon Musk. A Crew Dragon spaceship built and owned by SpaceX took NASA astronauts to the International Space Station on May 31st. It was the very first time a private company ever did that. International Space Station Commander Chris Cassidy welcomed NASA astronauts Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley with the traditional ringing of the ship's bell. Dragon. Arriving, crew of Expedition 63 is honored to welcome uh, Dragon and the commercial crew program to uh, welcome aboard the International Space Station. Bob and Doug, glad to have you as part of the crew. Well done. Bravo Zulu. From Mission Control Houston, astronaut and spacecraft communicator Joshua Kutrick congratulated them. Bob and Doug, welcome to the International Space Station after your spectacular rendezvous and docking of the first Crew Dragon vehicle. For the first time since the retirement of the space shuttle, you have completed a historic ride to the ISS and have opened up a new chapter in human space exploration. Endeavor Commander Doug Hurley accepted congratulations from the ground and handed out some of his own. It's been a real honor to be just a small part of this uh, nine-year endeavor since the last time the United States spaceship had docked with the International Space Station. And one of the things that helped make the docking procedure so successful is some new technology developed by scientists at the University of Akron. Associate Engineering Practice Professor Dr. Chris Daniels. In between the two spacecraft is a seal that keeps the air that the astronauts breathe inside of the International Space Station and the SpaceX Dragon. And so the University of Akron developed that seal. What makes it so difficult to create a seal that will work in outer space like that? In outer space, it's a different environment. So there is primarily uh, the sun has radiation, ultraviolet radiation, and what it does is it breaks uh, bonds of oxygen molecules in the upper atmosphere. So normally oxygen is two oxygen atoms that are bonded together, it's O2. And so what the ultraviolet radiation does is it breaks that oxygen from a molecule into two oxygen atoms. And that oxygen is very reactive with anything that it encounters. And so polymer seals are very susceptible to this damage from atomic oxygen. And then directly, the sun's ultraviolet radiation might hit the seal, and that also is very damaging to the polymers that make up the seal. So let's imagine, for example, that you had a seal like on a thermos bottle, and it was kind of like a rubber seal, or it looked like rubber, some kind of a plastic. Sure. When it's attached to... uh, space vehicle, 
what you're telling me then is that the sun is too hot and it melts it or that the oxygen that is in the one part of the capsule, uh, something happens to it and it breaks the bonds of that rubber or polymer down? Is that right or am I thinking of it differently? Actually, both of those things. Uh, I didn't even talk about the temperature extremes. So there are different plastics that we can use in seals. And one of the aspects uh, that we utilize very early on is the operating temperature of those polymers. If it's in the sun, it's very warm. As the spacecraft turns around and then the, the seal is in the shade, it gets very, very cold. And so we utilized a silicone elastomer, and we utilize that for its ability to withstand those very warm and very cold temperatures. Now, that being said, we moved on to these other things like resistance to atomic oxygen and resistance to ultraviolet radiation. And so to go back to your example of uh, a thermos seal uh, on a thermos bottle, if we were to put that thermos out on your back porch or your deck and leave it there for a good long period of time, what would happen would be that the the ultraviolet radiation from the sun, the same ultraviolet radiation that gives us a sunburn, that would attack and break the bonds of that polymer. And if you've ever seen a, a piece of plastic that's been sitting out in the sun too long, it starts to turn brown and it becomes brittle. And that's because the bonds have been broken of that polymer have been broken. So on Earth, we have the benefit of the ozone layer. And so that really reduces the amount of ultraviolet radiation that hit our thermos bottle that we've sat outside. Out in space, there is no ozone layer. We're outside that region of the ozone layer, so we have no protection. So what would take a very long time on Earth to damage our thermos seal, if we took that thermos seal and put it outside outside the atmosphere in space, it would happen much more rapidly. And so our seal has to be able to withstand that. So we had to choose an elastomer that would give us some time to dock uh, before becoming uh, degraded to the point where we couldn't use it. I see. So you called it an elastomer? What is that? That is a subset of polymers. So in engineering, we typically think of there being, in mechanical engineering, We typically think of there being metals and ceramics and polymers. And so inside that classification of polymers is an elastomer. And so we chose a a silicon elastomer material for our seal. And it has that stretchy properties. If if I was to give you the best example of what it would be like, I would say it's like the reddish eraser on a pencil. That's what it looks like and that's what it feels like. That's how it squishy it is and how sticky it is. And he tells us why it was important that the seal they developed wasn't too sticky. The docking system that the space shuttle used was a Russian system. And when it docked, the docking system imparted a vibration onto the International Space Station. It caused it to vibrate. The impact was too intense. And that's really undesirable for the International Space Station. So specific to the seal, the old docking system could get stuck and could be removed. Okay, And so once there was a Russian spacecraft that when it left the International Space Station, it left the seal behind when it separated. And 
an astronaut had to go from the, the safety of inside the International Space Station and go outside and remove the seal from the outside of the space station so that a new spacecraft could dock. So our new system, uh, the new docking system, solves that impact problem. And in solving that impact problem, they needed a new seal. And so they recognized that the seal shouldn't develop a stick and shouldn't stick to the International Space Station so we could avoid that problem that the Russians had. And so our seal doesn't stick. And if it were to stick, we developed a design so that there's no way for it to be pulled off of the vehicle and be left on the International Space Station. But here on Earth, the aviation industry isn't flying so high. As Fortune Magazine's Jeff Colvin reports, the pandemic has caused a major downturn. The aviation industry's recovery from the coronavirus outbreak will be long and slow, with passenger numbers likely to stay below pre-pandemic levels through 2023, according to S&P Global Ratings. Global air passenger numbers will drop as much as 55% this year, a far steeper slump than pre Previously estimated, any recovery will depend on how governments ease travel restrictions, people's willingness to fly, and the overall economic damage from the outbreak. It will also depend on the habits of remote working and virtual meetings. If they become a new normal, the airlines could lose lots of business travelers, which are the most profitable customer segment. And it isn't just airlines that are suffering. Airports are struggling. With many flights eliminated, airports aren't getting nearly as much revenue from airlines. Lines. And with so few passengers in the terminals, all those restaurants, shops and other retailers have lost nearly all their revenue. Many aren't even open. That's bad for them and bad for the airports, which now get nearly half their revenue from retailers. Add in all the companies that service the planes and facilities, plus online ticket sellers and more. It's a big industry that may be among the slowest to recover. Inside Business, I'm Jeff Colvin for CBS News. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>